0: Alright, we're gonna get started. It is 9.32 and we're gonna need every moment. Yeah. Um, if you need a handout, it's the same handout we had last week. Um if you need another one, let me know. And I will I got a whole packet of them. So just in case. Oh, Jed's prepared. Jed is prepared. I'm gonna start off the exact same way I started off last week. Uh, because I think we don't dwell on psalms long enough most of the time or just scripture in general but the longer you dwell on it the more you see and the more it gets in your bones so and that's what we want we wanted to get in our bones so psalm 115 says this not to us O lord not to us but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness why should the nation say where is their god Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So if you can't tell, oh, One of the themes of this psalm is you are what you worship. And one of the fundamentals of our faith or the faith or any faith is your faith is in proportionate to the knowledge of the object that you know, the love that you have for that object. Okay, so your faith can only be as great as that object is that you have faith in. All right. So we have faith in an infinite God. Um. And if you find yourself having faith in something else, then what you will find is that that thing will fail. Over and over and over. And if you put your faith in it, on uh, those things that fail over and over and over, guess what? You become like that thing that you're putting your faith in. The object of our faith is the how far our faith can grow, is how much our faith means anything whatsoever. I'm trying to find, like, there's an actual, like, phrase Uh, But you are what you worship. Think about it. You are what you worship. Psalm 115. Today we're talking about worship. Before I get going, I want to commend a couple books to you. Um, I messed up the title of this book the first week. It is called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. This whole thing, this whole uh, curriculum that we're going through is kind of centered around uh, this book, or this book has a very good way of putting it. Uh, your spiritual disciplines, they're not to gain you salvation, but because of your salvation these help you grow in the Lord and help you grow in your faith. Okay, so spiritual disciplines by for the Christian life, Donald S. Whitney. Um, the whole point of the book is to grow in godliness. So the whole point of the book, the whole point of what we're doing right now is to grow in godliness. Nice and simple. It's a great book. Um, I've I've had to read it for school like six times I'm kind of getting blown out on the same book So, anyway, this is a study guide which I happen to have multiples of for that book so if you go pick up that book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life and you want a study guide you can have it I have four of them remaining so um, if you need one please come ask me (coughs) um Yes, he's a Presbyterian, but he's also a good thinker. Um, This guy's name is Legan Duncan, and um, he is is spectacular about crossing the aisle. And what I mean by that is, yes, he's a Presbyterian, we're Baptists, but we both believe in the Word. He reads it differently when it comes to how the church is set up and who's in the church, but he doesn't read it differently when it comes to worship. And so he asks this question, uh, does God care how we worship? I think that should be a question that we all ask ourselves. And if you read Psalm 115, guess what? The answer is yes. Because you become what you worship. You are what you worship, right? Does God care how we worship? Extremely good, really thin book. Um, I can give this one away if you want it right now. Um, Jared? No one else is no one else raised their hands. I, got, I have two more, I think, in my office. And finally, uh, well, because i got to stop somewhere and I have a whole bookshelf full of this this topic, um, but this is called Corporate Worship, um, How the Church Gathers as God's People. It's by uh, Matt Merker. And you may realize that what we sing, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast. He Will Hold Me Fast. He took the lyrics of He Will Hold Me Fast and put it in a singable melody from the person. So um, not just that, but like, He's, he's an extremely good thinker on, uh, and Bible guy. Uh, he also leads worship. That's pretty much what he does exclusively. But Corporate Worship, this is a great small book, just like those other small books that we have. Um, and uh, I will part with it if you really want to read it. Uh, it's, a, it's, only, it's only 152 pages or thereabouts, and it's really big, big letters and big margins. So it's not really 152 pages as far as some other books will go, but great book, great resource. It's all I have. Um, uh, if you want one of those and you don't have money for it, come and talk to me. I may or may not be able to get the hook up. First two are at Hoopla. What? First two are at Hoopla. Which ones? The Spiritual display <coughs> Great. Awesome. Both. It's killer. Hoopla is... The library, the public library app on your phone. So, if you can, if you have a public library account, you can get into this app, and you have a whole bunch of free books, free audiobooks, and you can devour them quite quickly if you don't watch any TV, <laughs> or, if or if you drive all the time, like Jared. Um, all right. So last week we started this lesson, and it's called All of Life Worship. All of life worship. We established two things right at the, right at the beginning was we worship God for as the, I'm going to start from the beginning. The beginning uh, that the, that worship is the central purpose of our lives. Can you tell that I'm not quite awake? My voice hasn't this isn't materialized yet. So worship is the central purpose of our lives, and we. Kind of looked at the question, what is the chief end of man? Right? What is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? And we talked about how that relates to worship, and those four words on the very front of your notes are where we looked at them uh, appreciation, adoration, affection, and subjection, or if you prefer, submission. But then we talked about uh, why do we worship God? One, He's the Creator. And number two, he's the redeemer. So he's not just, he didn't create us, he didn't set it and forget it, like the deist. He, he created all things, and he's intimately personal with his creation. He's both, right? And so we worship him. And then we have three central concepts to worship, which are homage, service, and reverence. Right? Homage or um, submission, literally to bend, some, bend oneself over at the waist to bow, Um, service, literally mean to serve, um, because we serve a king, uh, our king of everything, and reverence, keeping God's commandments, walking in his ways, turning from evil and serving him. And that takes us to where we were right as we ended. We were talking about the means of acceptable worship, right? The means of acceptable worship, and the two aspects of that were revelation and redemption. Okay, Revelation or redemption? Revelation, not the book. The book does describe quite a bit, but revelation as in all of God's word and redemption, particularly the Redeemer, uh, Christ Jesus. But we're going to reattack from the very beginning of that section. And the reason why is because we did not do it justice the first time and only gave five minutes to it. So let's talk. Uh, this is letter B. Number one, God has revealed himself through his word, right? Finally and completely through his word. And in the Old Testament, God at Mount Sinai set forth in great deal, detail the pattern of acceptable worship. And he did so in such a way that was a lot of you shalls and you shall nots. You do, do this, don't do these things. And we came to this this passage in Leviticus, Leviticus 10, 1-3. And if someone would be so brave, um, not Rex, because Rex read it for us last time, uh, and to read us Leviticus 10, 1-3, that would be great. Awesome. Thank you, Sharon. Then
1: Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and it died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all
0: the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Thank you. Let me ask you this question. Did God say that you shall not offer these types of fires? in the Old Testament. Did he say anything like, do not do this? No? He said do do this. He did say it in a positive way. Do this. I'm trying
1: to remember where that text is. Um, Because because does he say, this only you
0: shall. This, well, he says you shall only in accordance with my word, so yes, I mean, it's a positive command. So, what's the difference between a positive command and a negative command? Somebody tell me. What's a positive command? Do this. Yes, and does does that imply that there's a do not? Yes, a one hundred percent. may not be It may not be both. But Do the opposite of what you're If I say use oven mitts to touch that pan. What is the implied do not? Don't touch, the pan, it's hot. Don't touch the pan, it's hot. Right? And so in this in this space, um, we see that Nadab and Abihu do something against the positive command of God. Right? It's not that they offered profane or unauthorized uh, fire, just like any fire. It's the fact that they did it without being authorized to do it, right? Without positively being forced or positively being uh, told to do it.
1: Uh, not being positive of the chronology, since there's a lot of recapitulation. Yeah,
0: especially in Leviticus. Uh,
1: Exodus thirty verse nine, God okay. says, "You shall not offer unauthorized incense."
0: Unauthorized incense. Okay. So that's a that's even more direct. Don't do it, right? A, yeah, it's a negative. Command. It's a negative. Negative, negative, right? Do not offer unauthorized, so therefore authorize, only authorized fire, right? You, you, can't, you can't get away with what they did and what did Nahab and Abihu suffer? They suffered death. Yeah, I'm bored, yes, thank you. Um, I can't say it as well. The, let me ask you this. There's another Old Testament text in which God does something very similar. What is it? Or what, what, what's the story? New Testament? Old Testament. He touches the ark. Uh, uh, what is it? The Uzzah.
1: Uzzah. What, 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 who is Uzzah?
0: He was. He was bringing the ark back from the Philistines. And was he a priest? Was he authorized to touch the ark? At any level. No, apparently not but you're right <laughs> why because he touched the ark to steady it and instead of letting it fall and hit the ground he uh, he touched it trying to steady the ark thinking that it was the right thing in reality it just shows the pride of his heart saying that I can save this and the ground is more profane than me touching it the ground didn't commit sin and is not as profane so it, this Sproul makes it this way how dare he think that he was better than the dirt that that ark was going to fall into right you got to got to think about got to think about how this is how these things are put out in front of us if it says do not do this or do this you have a positive or negative command and both are applicable in every situation. Go ahead.
2: If they were transporting
1: the ark as God commanded, wouldn't it wouldn't have been a problem. Right? The
0: problem is they were, they were transporting on a cart. If on a cart? Unstable, not doing what, God said to do. what did God say? Men. Men, right? Particular a particular section of the tribe. Right? That's all they were to do, is take it, grab it, and, and take it with them. But yet they, they decided to take up the or us decided to steady the arc in a way that was profane, unauthorized. So we have to be careful about what we're doing. Um, well, because.
2: That, it's also a reflex action, probably. Too,
0: but yes, and that's too. a desire of the heart problem.
2: Well, it's a subconscious reflex that you don't think about, which, as you said, if they had done it the right way, you would not have been in that situation in the first place. But going to your reflexes is always dangerous
0: too. Yes, absolutely. Especially when you're when your reflexes are not trained to be in this case godly. So, we see that there there's a a like a positive command from the Old Testament and a negative command on how to worship God. In the New Testament, there's the same. Right? There's these statements like in 1 Timothy 4:13 Paul commands Timothy to devote himself to public, the public reading of the scriptures, to exhortation, to teaching. He also says, um, uh, preach the word in and out of season, right? He, al- he also says in 1 Corinthians, do this in remembrance of me in the Lord's Supper, right? He also commands us in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? So we baptize. Uh, those, these, these are positive commands from God. And they are particular things that we should devote ourselves to, right? Not just because Timothy is a pastor, should he devote himself to these things? He is a person of the Lord, right? He's part of God's family, so he should devote himself to these things. And Link Duncan, in this, in this, in that book, that Jared had, um, he writes that when we gather for corporate worship, we should read the Bible, right? Devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures. We should hear the Bible. What is that? The preached word, right? We should be listening to what God has said. Pray the Bible. Why? Because God has said, pray without ceasing. We sing the Bible. Why? Because it says, sing psalms, spiritual heart- songs together with your hearts with thankful." Oh yeah, something like that. I messed that up. Um, but that's Colossians 3, 16, if you really wanted to read it, and Ephesians 4. But the whole point is that we are to do what the Bible has commanded and not do what the Bible has forbidden, right? Or to, yeah, not do what the Bible has forbidden. I'm all sorts of messed up this morning. I apologize. The whole point of being, God alone determines how we worship him. God alone. Is there any thought that you have in your head that is on par with God's thoughts? Anything in your heart that is as pure as what God has in his. No. And so therefore we must be led into worship in a certain manner. We're led by God for God, for the glory of God, for the creatures of God, for all of these things so that they might see his glory and his glory alone. This is men's... And we talked about this last week. We had two principles. The regulative principle... Which is what we're kind of talking about. Um, and the normative principle, which is the, not the opposite, but something slightly different. What we mean by the regular principle is everything we do in corporate worship must be clearly warranted by scripture. It says, pray continuously, pray without ceasing. We pray. It says, sing to one another. We sing. It says baptize, we baptize. It says to take the Lord's supper, take the Lord's supper. Do you, you see where I'm where I'm going? These are all positive commands. And how long do we do that on a week on a weekly basis? Like in our services, our corporate service. How long is our corporate service? How long? An hour, an hour and a half ish. Sometimes a little longer. Um, so it takes an hour and a half for us to use. All of our time, we could do it. We could definitely change and move things around. But what's the center of our service? Preach word. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, the pulpit's
0: dead center. Many churches have it off to the left or right. But this is a, a symbol of what I'm talking about, right? What is the purpose of the preach word being center? What everything else
1: we do points to the preach word, which points to the left. Yeah. So all the other actions—the singing, the praying, the Lord's Supper—like everything else centers around hearing the Word, preaching the Word. So right. That it all brings glory back to God, which is the center, which should be the center.
0: Yeah, it's almost the—I've f- thought about it this way before. It's the fullest expression of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be. If it's good preaching. It's if it's good preaching.
2: good preaching. If it's good preaching, it's almost as it? so if somehow be in line with what God says, so God is, should be speaking.
0: Yeah, that is part of that book, Listen Up, that we have out there, is that it's, you're trying to listen for God speaking, all right? And where the preacher is in line with what God is saying in the Word, then you know that God is speaking. Does that make sense? That's a, it's a harder concept to, to think about. But there are parts of, of this that you've got to be... It, it's a two-way street, right? Preaching is not one way. It's two-way. It's on you to listen and you to listen for the, the word of the Lord and also for the preacher to preach. Both are acts of worship. And so both are commanded uh, to in in the preaching of the word. Now, what, was, what were you going to say?
2: Some pastors have advocated that the sermon should be very first in the service so that your response is music and song and in response from their <laughs> the congregation.
0: It's an interesting thought, but we we would believe that it's the center and the most, it's the pinnacle. Like a, a story, almost. You think like a storyline? Does a storyline start with the big thing? No. It leads, up it. it leads up to it. And so, while some pastors do that, it's very few. Very few. Very few. So we have the regular principle says, by positive warrant, right? We have in scripture, so we're going to do this and do this only. The normative principle says whatever is not prohibited by scripture is permissible in worship. Okay, so whatever is not prohibited by scripture, what's something that's prohibited by scripture that you should not do in worship? Worship, other gods. worship of the gods. What was that? A woman preaching the word. A woman preaching the word, you're correct. That would be impermissible by the normative principle. Making graven images. Graven images, yes. The Ten Commandments are a great, great place to start. And so, if we're worshiping... Thank you for bringing that one up. If we're worshiping with the normative principle in mind, how do you know what is a graven image and not a graven image? Are you worshiping, it? But, are, you worshiping it? are you worshiping it? Yeah, but what is the graven image? Because the graven image is not just a sketch, right? It's not just that. It's the idea of making the idol. Right, This idea of, this is how I worship God. And it's not subjected to scripture. So we, we want to subject all of our thoughts, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of, all of the things that we have to God and to his word. And that especially goes for corporate gatherings, where it should be all about him and not about anybody else. Does that make sense?
1: All right. It sounds like mm-hmm. you're saying just wanting to make sure, hearing you right, that um, if we're not careful, the, cert- the way we worship can itself become the graven image.
0: Absolutely, it can, We can absolutely twist even the good things of God into idols, right? Into what I would consider false worship. Or false fire, right? You can so easily twist them. Um, now, we always done it this way, so we should keep doing it that way. Thank you so much for saying that. We've always done it this way. We're going to keep doing it that way. No is is not an answer. The seven last words of the church. Wow, we've always done it this way. But we've always done it this way. But yeah.
2: Okay. Well, this, must be, this could be an extreme view of it, but we could actually be worshiping the music. Yes. Worshiping
0: the pastor. The pastor. Yeah. We could be worshiping the preaching from the pastor. Right. Well. You, just to be more particular, you could be right. even.
2: And we could be worshiping.
0: Oh, it's almost like it's in First Corinthians, right? We, we
2: can actually say, you know, from the perspective of, of the setup of this church, you could say we're worshiping.
0: The Lord's people. Yeah,
2: well, yeah
0: We could even say, um, and this is where you kind of, where, we, where we divide from the Catholic Church, okay The Catholic Church says, and a lot of even some Protestant denominations would say this, um, that the liturgy, does anybody know what the liturgy is? It's how you worship, right? The order of worship, the how you worship, what you're doing when you worship. The liturgy itself is a sacrament. Okay, does anybody know what I mean by sacrament?
2: Imparts grace.
0: imparts you. grace to the hearer, right? Thank you. And so, it is not a sacrament just because the way you do worship. It is absolutely a means of grace, but it's not sacramental in the sense of you can be passive and it's changing you. Does that make sense? So, for instance my Anglican friends, who, who love the smells and bells, as I like to put it, <laughs> they love the smells and bells. They would actually feel at home in our church in just a little, like mostly, because we have a defined liturgy. Not because we're doing it like they do, but because we have a defined, it's definitive, right? We go through a, a flow, uh, an idea. We go by what the word has done. Uh, and that uh, that being uh, that flow being uh, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Okay, creation. We worship our Creator, right? We worship Him in spirit and truth for who He is. And sometimes we have to say very directly, "The Lord Almighty reigns," right? And so we should be saying that all the time. But we lead our services with His Word, and we say He reigns, right? And then we go into uh, fall, which is our poor our portion of like confession. Some people are like confession. It's very Roman Catholic. Yes, if you go into a, a booth, then you'd say, hey, please absolve me. What do I do? No, we're not talking about that kind of confession. We're talking about confession of sin because guess what? Y'all got to realize you are a sinner to need a savior. Jesus doesn't mean anything to you if you don't realize that he saved you right now. Not just one time, but right now and forever. He is your Lord. And so we confess our sins. And then we get to redemption, which is kind of that preaching moment where the word of God comes to us through the preacher. There's a couple other portions of it. And then we have consummation, which is baptism or the Lord's Supper and singing in response to the sermon, right? And the consummation meaning... We're seeing a foretaste of redemption, right? The foretaste being the Lord's table, where we'll all be at the banquet table with the Lord, and he will be unfurled in his majesty, and we will see him and become like him. Okay, so consummation. That's kind of like our narrative arc. Okay, so if you're ever curious, that's where we are. You might ask yourself, why does this fit here? Why does it not fit here? Don't bother yourself too much with it, but if you want to know, come ask me. We'll we'll talk. Um, so normative principle—it's really hard to do the—it's really hard to keep the normative principle when when you don't know when it's becoming prohibited or not. Does that make sense? It's almost like, well, it's not prohibited directly in Scripture. I don't—I'm not sacrificing my baby to Moloch, right? And therefore, I can do whatever else. Uh, no, <laughs> there's still positive commands to be done. I don't want to belabor this, but we follow the Protestant creed of sola scriptura here, which means scripture alone. That doesn't mean it's the only, I didn't say solo scriptura, only scripture was what that means, but scripture alone is our, our guide to faith and practice. And we abide we by, by what it would consider a loose understanding to Jed's, to Jed's uh, understanding to the historic regulative principle. So we are very close, but we plug things in, and we use lights, um, those kinds of things. Those are We're close. <laughs> it hurts sometimes. So worship and corporate gathering is also a discipleship tool. Why? Because this is where you get the most probably concentrated form of the word, right? You get an hour and a half of the word, and with his people. It's not just by yourself. But there's something about being with his people outside of being commanded that shows us how to approach God um, at every level. So it's a discipleship tool. All right, that's uh, God has revealed himself first through his word. Number two, he has revealed himself supremely in his son, Jesus Christ. And we see this in Hebrews 1 and 2. We talked about this for 39 weeks. Christ Jesus, our Lord, is the pinnacle, the center, the everything about our worship. Without him, there is no worship. Not true worship of God. God in the temple, right? When he set out the temple, he said that this will do for a time. Uh, He didn't say that directly. He, He did it with the things that he instituted. For instance, how many times did they have to go and offer for their sins, offer sacrifices for their sins? Every year. Every year. Yom Kippur, right? Like that, they had to do it right and the reason why was because God had set up the system so that they would be reminded that they are sinners and that God had done all this for them to save them from not just Egypt but from themselves right but it was still just the shadow right it was still just the shadow of the come and the book of hebrews is very clear on this god jesus is the pinnacle of all of our worship because he is the pinnacle of god's plan he is the point He is the substance and he is the truth of all that God had for all of his people from all times. So Hebrews 1 and 2 just says this. Long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Why do we worship Jesus? Because he's everything. He is the point. He is the substance and that all things that you might have the preeminence, 100%. But I'm not going to belabor that point. Uh, we do this every week. Just focus all of our all of our worship on Christ, what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, what Christ will do. And so we move on. Christ, uh, God has revealed himself third through creation. And so this is generally called natural revelation or general revelation. Um, we're talking about this in a uh, Our Bavink study right now is what General General Revelation is. And basically, you can sum it up in Psalm 119.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims His handiwork. You can hear and see all the things that you need to know about God. That there is a God. That He is a creator. That He is powerful. That He is majestic. By looking at His creation. One thing you cannot see is Christ. And you need that second half, special revelation, to know him, right? Um, And then number four, God has redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ, which we were just talking about. Christ's death is the ultimate sacrifice provided by God to cleanse his people from the defilement of sin. Christ's death also consecrates or makes, makes holy to himself his people to himself in a relationship of heart obedience. We do not and cannot draw near and engage engage with God on the basis of our own merit, but on the finished work of Christ's death and resurrection. So if we are in Christ, we can approach God with the assurance that our sins have been forgiven and that we have been reconciled to fellowship with God. Without Jesus, there is no true worship. Right? Without Jesus, There is no true sacrifice. Without Jesus, we cannot be reconciled reconciled to God. And that's the point. That's the point, not only of this, but everything else. We must be reconciled to the creator of all things for us to have eternal life, for them to have eternal life, whoever's out there who needs Jesus. Why do we go and do evangelism? Because everybody needs to know about the guy and and God himself that redeemed them. Everybody needs to know that there is a redeemer for their sins, for their plight, not because they need to have a better life. Not for health, wealth, and prosperity, but so that they might have eternal life with Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. David Peterson puts it this way. Fundamentally, worship in the New Testament means believing the gospel and responding with one's whole life and being to the person and work of God's Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fundamentally, worship in the New Testament means believing in the gospel, number one. Responding with one's whole life and being to the person and work of God's Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this time, uh, this 9.30 hour and the 10.30 hour are designed to not only direct your hearts within those hour and a half, but designed to show you how to worship in spirit and truth all the time, right? Because here's another pattern that goes on within our worship service. We read, we pray, and then we sing. Every time. We read, we pray, we sing. There's one time in the service where we do not pray until after we sing, but we read, we pray, we sing. Why is that? Because God has revealed himself in his word. We pray that that might be applied to our hearts. That those things might be true of us. That we might be made like him that is describing in the word. And then we sing in response to that revelation. Does that make sense? So we read, we pray, we sing. (laughs) It's really simple. And if you do this at home, here's here's my plug for family worship. Family worship does not look like you breaking out a hymnal. Someone playing on the piano and singing the beautiful hymn, all four stanzas, or eight stanzas, depending on what hymn. And then getting up and saying, blessed be our God and Father in heaven and earth, creator of all things. You get my point. It's it's not this formalistic thing, but it's a read, it's praying, and it's singing. So if you can open your Bible and read a passage with one another... You pray according to it and according to the needs of Mary, uh, the area, to your kids' needs, particularly, and then you sing in response to what God has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. Family worship can take five minutes. It doesn't need to take forever, but you will see that shape your family. When it revolves around the word, you can actually say, with truth, that your kids won't go, oh, Daddy, you don't do. You can actually say, God says, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. What you're doing is making that a god. And he will understand or she will understand. Oh, where do I see that? I see that in the word. Oh, and so you're forming these little minds and these little humans and our own minds to be in the same way. We need to respond to what God's revelation is at all times and all places, including in our families. That's one way you can train your kids. They don't look that clean all the time. Can testify? Um, I testify. Um, so, but that should be, it should—it it is that simple, repricing. It doesn't have to be a full sermon. Nobody's asking for that. But we want the word of God to reverberate through your family. The only way they can do that is if they know it, if they've heard it before. Any questions? Well, I'll move on then. The manner of worship in spirit and truth. John 4 says this, But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And he's saying this to the woman at the well. Um, it's a very famous passage. Even non-Christians know it. But this is basically... The idea of where our hearts should be at all times and all places, right? So we have the form. We do it according to God's word. We do it with these, but our hearts should be infused by the spirit or reconciled by the spirit, reconciled to God, and we need to be worshiping according to his truth, who God is truth. Does that make sense? So I have a question. What have you heard others say about how they worship outside the church? It's not about the building. And they're right. In a lot of ways. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't gather you should forsake the gathering of the saints. You know? Or I don't need I don't need other people to worship God. I don't, need, I don't need a church. I've heard it this way, and very similar to that, is I have my I have my prayer closet. I don't need anything else. But if that was what was prescribed in the word, then God wouldn't say, sing to one another. Right? It's impossible to do that all by yourself. You need other people. It's a,
2: there's the verse I, I shared with somebody yesterday, who just got recently baptized, uh, it's uh, Hebrews 10, I think you just finished with that, and 25 yep. which says, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and all the more, which everybody drops off and all the more as you see the day, the day of Christ's return yep. uh,
0: approaching, approaching. And, which is the whole point, right? We are looking toward that day but you don't know about it if you're not really with the people. Yeah, but you God. see the
2: day approaching, and we see the signs of the times right now. And the day is not just coming because we're not yesterday, but we're today. But we can see actually when Christ is coming because the signs of the times are...
0: But well, we, see, so we see that it's imminent us. in his word. His return is imminent. I, I understand what you're trying to say. It's but okay. I don't... I, if you're reading, for instance... It's probably not a good thing to get your signs from creation about when he's coming, but knowing in the word where he's coming. He's imminently coming. He says, I am returning. Right? I'm coming on the clouds. And they've been believing that since the day he said it, or since Daniel was written in a lot of ways, that God himself was coming, and then Revelation was written. And it said that God is coming. He's coming to bring a new heavens and earth. And they believed that in 60 A.D., it doesn't need to be true only because we see signs of wars and, and all those he things does. now. It's always true. Always He'll come, true. Like He'll come like a thief in the night. He'll come like a thief in
2: he the night. He doesn't darkness, even know. Yeah. He didn't know. If you're in the darkness, you'll be in the thief of the night. But yeah. you're of the yeah. light, so yeah. you should
0: not be surprised. No, no, no. The, the point of that whole thing is to be ready in the imminent return of Christ. Ready right now. This doesn't mean you can delay it. You can't be Constantine and accept Christ on, the, on, his, on your deathbed. If you do, you're full. You're a fool. He was <laughs> just That really depends on who you listen to. <laughs> so the whole point is that we worship in spirit and truth now, right? Because he's coming, imminently. i mean, like his return is coming, um, and there is nothing that should dissuade you from that, except for your own like desires to think that I'm okay right now. Guess what? You're not. That's why we evangelize. We evangelize because God says, he sends out his people and says, go therefore make disciples. He didn't say go make disciples in 2,000 years. He said go make disciples right now. He didn't say make them in 20 minutes. He said make them right now. Not that we're to go out during the corporate worship gathering and make disciples. Guess what? You're being made a disciple right now. This is making you a disciple. It's forming you and shaping you into the pattern of Christ. So we worship in spirit and truth. Because worship is essentially God-centered, made possible by the gift of the Holy Spirit, and in personal knowledge of, and conformity to God's word made flesh. Right? That just means that you're being made by Christ. right? And his, the gift of the Spirit in you makes you worship, longs for you to worship. We want to worship in spirit and truth. Jesus Christ is the one who reveals the Father to us. He is the means by which the Father obtains true worshipers. Right? You can't be a worshiper of God without Jesus. Oprah was wrong. You're worshiping yourself. If you're worshiping like Oprah says to worship. You're not worshiping God. The one true and living God. Worshiping in spirit and truth is first acknowledging Jesus as the truth. It also means receiving from him the Holy Spirit who is available to all who believe in him right now. He's, not, he's, a, he's a guarantee. He's a down payment on your redemption. He cannot leave you like he left Saul. Once he's given to you, he's, it's because you have been saved, regenerate, regenerated. It also means that through Jesus' death and resurrection, the true temple of God is raised up and the Holy Spirit is poured out on God's people. So unless we are born of the Spirit, we cannot worship God. Worshipping in spirit cannot be distinguishing distinguished from worshiping in truth. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard something like this? You know, I go to a charismatic church, and we worship in spirit. We we are all about the spirit, all about the spirit with the truth. The spirit with the truth. You're a Presbyterian. You're the frozen chosen. You have no spirit, right? But isn't that a false dichotomy? If you're saying you're a Christian, then you're inhabited by the Spirit, right? And therefore, if you're worshipping according to the, the truth that is found in Scripture, then you're worshipping in Spirit and truth. You're, now, your ideas of how that should look like might be a little different, right? But again, charismatics typically lean on that normative principle, whatever's not prohibited in Scripture, like paintings in, in service, like prophetic paintings. not prohibited. Not prohibited, but... Uh, the Presbyterians worship by the regular principle, most of them uh, at some level, and they are worshiping, they're both worshiping in spirit and in truth as much as they are conformed to the pattern of the Bible and the pattern of Christ. You got something.
1: I think it's important that we make it, and it's not that there's anything wrong with what you're saying, but that we make it clear that worship isn't a matter of emotion.
0: Yeah, emotions don't equate to worship.
1: Yeah, that does not equate. And and one example of that biblically is Job. Hmm. Just after the horrific loss of everything he owned and everyone in his family except his wife, what does he do? He falls in
0: worship. And he says, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
1: I'm sure. Right?
0: How hard was, is that?
1: I'm sure he was not feeling like now's the time to burst into a new utterance.
0: No. He wasn't. Uh,
1: he was deeply, deeply burned and worshiping out of that
0: grief. Yeah. And, and that's that's, that's... the
1: other side of that. in a worship service just because someone is feeling extremely, you know, they're emotionally connected to the music. You don't know what their heart is if they really are worshiping the character. They might be, look on the outside as though they are just you know they be. worshiping, but because they feel an the emotional connection,
0: this brings me joy. This brings me
1: happiness. Yeah, that's you could be they could be worshiping
0: music. By the way, by the way, it's really easy to be swayed by music. It's very easy to be swayed by a preacher too. If by like the 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 you can really be manipulated in those levels. So let's be careful about where, who is worshiping really. Don't, and pointing the finger, you're not worshiping in spirit and truth because you don't, do X, y, you don't do X, Y, Z. Because the Bible says if you're praying, if you're preaching, if you're reading, if you're all those things, that's worship. That's how we worship Christ. And Christ is a sinner. You can't. You, can, can it be said that you, if you're worshiping in truth, you're also worshiping in the spirit? 100%. But if you're worshiping in a spirit you're not necessarily worshiping the truth? It's possible because if you don't know the truth then you could be doing things that you don't know are wrong, right? So say you get shipwrecked and it's you and no Bible and your family <coughs> and you've just been converted and you don't have the Bible memorized okay? It's possible for you to worship wrongly and not know it. That's why we have the people around us. The people of God are so important and so vital in community so that we might know when we are going astray, right? When we're stepping outside the bounds of what worshiping in spirit and truth looks like. I would love to continue, but it's 1020. I have got to pray. Um, We did not finish again. So guess what we're doing? We're going to pick up next week. Cool. Um, Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love that you have revealed yourself, not only um, in creation, but by your word and in your son, we see such majesty or such goodness, such beauty that we could not have obtained or thought it up ourselves. Lord, but in your son, we see all that we need. Lord, give us hearts that would strive after you and you alone. Give us hands to work and will in any way in any direction that you have us work and will. But for you alone are worthy of praise, worthy of glory, honor, and everything that we can give you. Lord, for you've given us eternal life. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen.